this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive, uh, Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. So we have explored, I am the light of the world, I am the bread of life, I am the vine, and today we have Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus speaks these words during the Last Supper in the upper room with his disciples. And I went back this week and read John's entire account of the Last Supper in the upper room just to get a sense of that fateful night. It actually really begins in chapter 13 of John, and he tells us quite clearly that Jesus told them all that he knew his time was coming. And when we begin today, the meal has already been shared, and Jesus is still talking. It's what's known today as the farewell discourse in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. If you have your Bibles handy, you can read along with me. Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe also in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places, and if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also." And you know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do, not, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me, I am in the Father and the Father is in me, but if you do not then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. In fact, will do greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask for me anything, I will do it. They have gathered in this upper room for the Passover meal Jesus has still probably got some water that splashed on him from washing the disciples' feet. He has given them a new commandment. John 13, 34, love one another as I have loved you. This is how they will know you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. He tells them he is going away and they cannot go with him. And they are confused, scared, of course, 
confused. They've, they've given up everything and everyone to follow him. If you read that entire account of the Last Supper, particularly in John, I think you get a sense of how scary and uncertain a time it was for them. Jesus tells them during that meal that he knows one of them is going to betray him. He then turns to Judas and tells him to go ahead, hurry up, do what he's going to do. Judas leaves and everyone is confused because, of course, it couldn't be Judas. He was the one that kept the money. He was that trusted. It couldn't be him, could it? And then Peter says, where are you going? I will die for you. And that's when Jesus tells him, look, you're going to deny me not once, but three times. It's a hint to me just of what Peter was expecting to happen by what he says to Jesus. I will die for you. But it turns out his faith isn't as strong as he thought it was. This is not a fun family Passover dinner. This is a sad and scary night. Jesus has talked of leaving them behind, of going where they cannot go. One of his own trusted ones is betraying him. Peter's faith seems to be about an inch deep. Jesus' words today is the last bit of time before the guards show up and everything changes. It's this last little window of time before it all changes. The teaching is done. The lessons have been shared. You know what Jesus is trying to do now? Comfort them. He's trying to comfort them in these moments. It reminds me of the mom who is in the last days of her life in the hospice unit. She's not eating, she's not drinking, she's not talking, but we know she's listening. And she's surrounded by those who know and love her best. And for the millionth time, they come to her bed and they say, we love you. But this time they say, it's okay to go. We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay here. It's okay to go. And it's one breath more, and she does. I think of the father in his late 80s, early 90s, children in their 50s and 60s, and he always has a smile on his face. Don't worry about me. I'm fine. I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. He might not be so happy. He not, might not be doing so great, but he puts a smile on his face because he's still trying to protect them. 50 and 60 year old kids, and he's still trying to protect them and care for them and comfort them because that's what love does. That's how it is. Jesus is trying to comfort his disciples. He's trying to take care of them now. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. 
He's comforting them in their fear and uncertainty. And then Thomas asked the question yet again. We do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And that's when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you know my Father also. I'm mindful that these words have been used over time as some sort of soundbite grabbed and intellectualized and debated, but I just ask you this morning to try and hear these words spoken like a father trying to comfort his children. He's speaking straight to their hearts. As one writer put it this week, he was giving them everything he could think of to help them survive without them. He used the singular, exclusive language that people who love so often do. It's language we use in our tender, teary moments. You are the best mother in the world. You're the only man in the world for me. I love you. It's extravagant love language. Words meant to comfort the ones who know and love him best, who were absolutely convinced it was all about to fall apart. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? I am the way. I am the way. If you know me, you know my Father. The way is actually the words, the description that Christians used to call themselves. Before the word Christianity was even a thing, Christians referred to themselves as followers of the way. Jesus looks at these scared and frightened disciples who do not know what will happen next, and he says, I am the way. I am your path. I am your road ahead. I am your direction. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And of course, these words have eternal implications for us all. They speak to our eternal home in him. I often, I love to read from this passage at funerals. For that very reason, I go and prepare a place for you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But these words also call us to think about how we walk in that way. Frederick Buechner has this wonderful definition of a Christian that I've always been amused by. He says, a Christian is one who is on the way, though not necessarily very far along on it, who has at least some dim, half-baked idea of whom to thank. Jesus speaks these words of comfort to his disciples, not just to give them some assurance of their heavenly home, but to help them face tomorrow. In fact, I think it was said to help them face the next few hours. He believes in them, he's taught them, he's prepared them, and now he's trying to comfort them. You know, I remember a friend of mine who gave me a call once, and she said, I want to talk to you about my own faith and, and a way that God has been working on me in my life. And she proceeded to tell me this story about how someone in her life had lied about her, basically had used her as a scapegoat to try to get out of an uncomfortable situation and I'm going to skip the Jerry Springer and Dr. Phil details of it all. 
But as you can imagine, the way people are and the way people talk, she heard about this. And she had a chance to clarify the truth of the situation, but it ultimately really just frosted her cookies that this person had lied about something she supposedly had done. She was wrong, rightfully so. She was wrong. And she said, I'm going, I had planned to corner this woman the next time I saw her and just let her know that I know. Just let her know that I know the truth. And right after she had scripted that whole imaginary conversation in her head, she said, I began to feel this little nagging Jesus feeling in me. You know that feeling? That, that feeling of God trying to tell her something. You know, Anne Lamont in her writings talks about how God for her sort of felt like a cat following her around wherever she went. And so she decided to, to pray about it. She practiced the pause. She didn't confront this woman right away. She just spent some time praying about what she was supposed to do. And the longer she sat with this and prayed about it, she began to realize the implications. It was certainly going to cause conflict within this own person's family. And the truth is, by then, oh, everything was out. This person certainly knew the truth. She knew the truth. Everybody knew the truth. There was, there was nothing to prove by that conversation. But she realized that giving that person a piece of her mind might have felt really good for about five seconds. And then after that. And she said, I just want you to know that I've decided to move on and take a different path, and I feel really proud of that because I feel like that was something God was calling me to do. I am the way, the truth, and the life. When we get lost, when we stray from the path, when we wonder what we should do in a situation, what we should say, Jesus is the one who shows us the way. His words, his ministry, show us the way, the truth, and the life. There is, um, in the Mishnah, the Jewish oral tradition from the rabbis, there's a quote, an ancient quote, attributed to uh, a rabbi named Yosef ben Yohezer. And the quote that he says in this Mishnah says, May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. It comes from the understanding that as a disciple, as a student would listen to the rabbi teach about the Torah and scripture, that he would sit close to the rabbi to hear. And of course, the rabbi would walk around and pace and kick up the dust. And if you were close enough to listen and follow the rabbi closely, then you were got dusty. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. To sit that closely, to seek and follow him so close that you get covered in dust. Jesus doesn't want just an hour on Sunday of your life. Don't get me wrong, your preacher sure does. But he wants more than that. 
He wants all that we are and all that we have to seek him and know him and follow him and everything that we can and do in the good and the bad and the hard of our lives, in our relationships with our spouses and our friends and our children and our aunts and our cousins, to seek and to know him in the grocery store, in the, in the gas station, at work, in the parking lot, in the prison cell, in the hospital bed, and even, dare I say, in Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, to live our faith everywhere and to seek him in all ways. He doesn't need admirers. He wants disciples who follow him. I remember the great Peter Gomes, one of my favorite preachers who died too soon, and he wrote in one of his books about that phenomenon, that WWJD fad that was all the rage some time ago. And he pointed out so rightfully that that fad, that WWJD, what would Jesus do? He said, we, we really already know what would Jesus do. The question those bracelets want us to consider, of course, is what would Jesus have me do? What would Jesus have you do? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we seek him. We seek to follow him, to get close in every part of our life, every single day. And trust me, I know sometimes we fail. We stray from the path and we lose our way. But the good news for you and for me is that even when we feel most at lost, he is near. Won't you come, seek him in prayer, hear about his stories and his life and his death and his resurrection and his entire ministry. Hold close to your church, your community of faith to challenge you and remind you of this truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Just watch out, because you may get dusty. Amen. Amen.